Greetings. Welcome to each one. Trust we've already been inspired this morning. Consider that our God cares, our God loves us, our God is there for us, and we uh, can trust Him. Um, we uh, so much to be grateful for this morning as we consider um, who we are and who God is. Last time I preached I, uh, here, I told you I would try to work, uh, preach some more out of the Sermon on the Mount in the next couple times. And uh, I'd like to do that this morning. I was looking at these scriptures and uh, looking at some of the layout of it and uh, we're going to put this thing, this Sermon on the Mount in at least three messages, maybe, well actually probably four. Um, and we're, you know, it's, this, is, this is huge, you could preach many subjects out of this out of these scriptures, I was like to more take more of an expository type of approach to it, but I'm not necessarily just going to go verse by verse this time. I've done that in the past, but I'd like to look at uh, yeah, some just just the, the 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 message that Christ is there and some of the teachings that are there. So, uh, uh, because I believe that the Sermon on the Mount is the heart of. Uh, the gospel message. Uh, well, that's that's maybe 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 I shouldn't say it that way. It's not. I mean, depends. I guess what you want to call the gospel. The gospel is the good news, and so we a lot of times when we think of the gospel, we think of salvation. We think of the message of Jesus Christ, and we think of what who He is, and 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 God's plan of salvation and what He's done for us, and and that's right. Uh, but the gospel is also the message of how we can live for God, and how we, how we serve God, and how we, how we live for Him, and His teachings, and, and Christ taught us so many things about that. And so as we look into the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to find that there, there's a lot of just practical applications, things that this is how to do this. And we want to look at some of that. Of course, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we start off in Matthew 5. And the first thing we come to is the Beatitudes, and so we can look at those. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do this morning in, our, uh, in, our, in this message is I'm going to read to you a psalm, uh, because this is also a psalm that starts out with an expression of what is blessed. And the first psalm, uh, I'm just going to read across that, we'll make a few comments, and then we're going to go to Matthew 5. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. <clears throat> Here we have a description an explanation uh, or a, um, yeah, the, the psalmist writer is describing and is saying this is the type of person, this is what is blessed. 
A man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates in it day and night. He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Oh, that sounds like blessed person, doesn't it? That sounds like something that is, yeah, that, as we think of the word blessed, as we think of what, that, what, 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 what we expect out of that. So here is something, here's, here's some, uh, could we say just, just some basic truths. And this is, you know, I think we can examine our hearts at times, and I can think we can examine ourselves and we can consider these things. We want to have a blessing from God. And there's a lot of, and everybody wants that. Everybody's out there, they want God to bless them, and there's a lot of, a lot of prayers, Lord, bless us, and Lord, we need your blessings. And, and yes, we do, and, and we want to ask for them, and that's right and good. We can ask for God's blessings, but here's, here is some things that we can consider. You really want God's blessings? Consider your life. Consider how do you fit into this description? How do you fit into this? Is this your experience? Is this how you live? Is this the way you relate to things? The psalmist writer goes on, then he shows the other side of that coin. He says in verse 4, the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know, you get that picture? We don't, we, most of us probably don't see much of that, but in, the, in this, this setting, that was a very common sight. Uh, where the, they had their, their grain, and so they threshed it, and then there was all this chaff in there, and so they would, they would you know, pick it up and let it fall, and the air would blow that out, and the wind drove that chaff away. My mom used to set up a fan and clean out her peanuts and her wheat and stuff. I have a very vivid picture in my mind of this. And I get that picture, that stuff that just blows away, it's worthless, the grain, the heavy... Seeds, they fall, fall straight down and, 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 and it cleans them. He says, the ungodly are like, the, are like that chaff. They're, they're not, they're not, they just blow away. They're, they, they are not, uh, they're not solid. They don't know where, you know, they, there's, nothing, there's nothing there. There's no substance there. Then he says in verse 5, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. So that gives us the thought that in the concept of a judgment, there's a right and a wrong. There, there's, there's this, and then there's this, and there's something, there has to be a, a, a balance. There has to be a conclusion of the matter. That's what judgment is, isn't it? The ungodly are not going to stand in, that, in the judgment. <clears throat> Nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They don't fit into it. Where in the congregation of the righteous, we get a picture, there's, there's, a, there's a concept of this is right and this is what we do. This is wrong and this is what we don't do. We make judgments. They're, they're, that's, that's, the, that's, that's what the congregation of the righteous do. They're, they're, they, there's, they, we recognize, I say we, because I, I think that's where we, wanna, where we fit into. We recognize there's a good and there's an evil. There's a right and there's a wrong. And we, and we, we divide. We, we make a judgment. We, we call this right and we call this wrong. And we can do that. <clears throat> By the word of God. We, we, we use it as a pattern. Then he goes on, verse 6, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 
And so I'm using this, this concept of being blessed and that there's a pattern for those that are blessed and those who are not blessed. And this is an Old Testament. This is the psalmist writer understood that concept. And we need to too. We need to understand that this morning. You want the blessings of God? You follow after righteousness. God blesses righteousness. God blesses truth. You want your own way? You want to do your own thing? You want to follow the ways of the world? You want to have just, just your, whatever you want? You can do that. God doesn't put you in a box. You can, you can follow your own ways. You can follow your own, own ideas. But if you want the blessings of God, you do it God's way. Is God unjust for expecting that? No. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He has every reason to expect that from us. We want the blessings of God. We follow God's plan. We follow God's patterns. We do it the way God teaches us to do it. What God expects through His Holy Spirit, through His Word. We can find righteousness. We can find truth. The answers are there. We want the blessings of God. We can find them. Title of my message this morning is that a, a description of godly character. And we're going to, I'm not going to, this, this, usually when I read Matthew 5, I tend to just, I read down to there and I think, well, you know, the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, those, what, what is the next one? I don't know, I could have it on my next page here, but uh, I'll just find it here. They that mourn shall be comforted. They are meek, they shall inherit the earth. <clears throat> and so we think of, we look at those blessings, those things that we are blessed with. But this morning, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. <coughs> as far as, 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 as what, what these things are going, we're going to do, we're, going, we're looking at a description uh, we're going to describe, and then I believe that this, this is what Jesus is doing uh, here in these scriptures. I'm going to, the first 20 verses of, of Matthew 5 is where we're going to pretty much focus on this morning. <clears throat> and what we're looking for in these is a description. This is what godly character is. We're going to, we're going to consider the, what, what the, the concept of a character, of character and what that is and how Jesus was giving us some descriptions of that. The next message on this on this Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be talking. We're going to go on, and we're and we're going to say how Jesus illustrates that character. He he uses illustrations, and and we're going to see how some of these things are acted out. The next two, actually, the, the, I have the next two titles for the next two messages. The first one's going to be this one is a description of godly character. The next one's going to be illustrations of applying godly character. And then the third one is going to be the examples of how to express godly character. So that's what I'm going to be working on in the next couple of weeks and months here, and I'm going to be pondering on that myself for my own, for my own good. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but this morning, we're going to look at here in the first part of chapter 5, and we're going to consider a description. What does godly character look like?
Webster's Dictionary says that a, that character, now there are different, the word character is used for different things. Now I'm not talking about that little guy that we see doing, little mischievous guy, and we say he's quite a character. Uh, he is expressing his character, but that's, you know, there are different words, the word character means different things. So this morning we say the character, the Webster's uh, Webster says it's one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. 1828 dictionary, which I I tend to lean. I like I like those. Or that's 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 uh, some of these modern dictionaries get get a little bit different concepts anymore. Some of these words, but I like I like the description again of the the definition that the 1828 dictionary gives. And again, I had to pick this out. Uh, when you look up character in the dictionary, you have a list about that long. So I, I, I'm not going to read all of that to you. But I'm looking at um, this. What the, the 1828 dictionary says this about character. It says the peculiar qualities impressed by nature or habit on a person which distinguishes from others. Okay, get that? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, character. We're talking about, we're going to describe, we're looking at what how Jesus described godly character. And this is how we, how we, we, what we're going to look at is how can we have godly character? How are we, how do we act? How, what is peculiar, what peculiar qualities do God's people have that is, that by their nature or habit, the way they do things, which distinguishes them, makes them different from other people. Those who do not have godly character, those who are not following after God, those who, who are not looking, you know, who, you know, the opposite of godly character would say, you know, what? So that's so keep that in mind. This thought, the peculiar qualities, this is what our character is. And every one of us has that. We have our characters. The peculiar qualities impressed by nature, what we inherit or what we are naturally are, or what we have learned to be, or I mean, we have you know, learned to how to live, or our habit, by nature or habit, on a person, which distinguishes them from others. Okay, so we have, I have, I think there's eight, nine of them. No, there's more than that. Different points that, yeah, there's 11 that I have. It's an odd number, but anyway, that's what I had coming out of these 20 verses, and I am not going to have time to spend a lot of time with each one, but you can, uh, you can continue that and think about that some more. Okay, the first one is verse 3, simply says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you uh, if I look up poor in spirit in the Thompson's uh, chain reference uh, topic, so what is... Where do we? What do? What do we? Where do we find this? And it just says, "Look at humility. Go to humility." That's what it said. <clears throat> or see humility. The poor in spirit. Now, this is a character that I would like for us to realize that 
This is something that is essential. This is, if, if you want to have godly character, if we're looking for godly character for ourselves, if we, if we, if we want to teach our children, if we want this to be amongst us in our, in our congregation, uh, those who are, you know, we want blessings, right? We want this. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so what is that? What are you thinking? What comes to your mind? It does not mean that we are poor, just don't have much money. Uh, we could be poor. That would be okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we don't have to have a lot of money to be poor in spirit. Uh, it's probably actually, it's actually an advantage to not to have too much. Uh, but the, that has nothing to do with this po- po- concept of being poor, this character. Uh, how much money we have does have nothing to do with, con- uh, with the, the character of being poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are a humble people. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 6 verse 2. It says this, For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look. Again, we're looking for a description of godly character. And God says this, the Lord says, I will look unto this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Now again, I don't think he's referring here to the amount of money a person has. That's really what we think when we think poor. We're, we're simply... Talking about a person that is poor in spirit, and he tremble and, and, and of a contrite, poor and a contrite spirit, and he trembleth at my word. So put that into that equation of of being a humble person and and, and a of a contrite heart and a person that trembles at the word of God. When you pick up your Bible, and when you read your Bible, and when the Holy Spirit speaks to you in your heart, is this what we do? I don't want to hear it. We tremble at this. Is this really real? Is this, is this what God wants? Is there some way that I can do this? Is there somehow that I can glorify God in, 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 in what He's saying here? You know, I don't care what this costs me. I don't care what, I, what, it, what, you know, what it takes. I, I tremble. I, I want to serve God. I want to do everything I can. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit. Adam Clark says this, I love this, about the poor in spirit. His description, he says, one who is deeply sensible or senses, one who deeply senses, deeply sensible of his spiritual poverty and wretchedness. One who is deeply sensible of his spiritual poverty and wretchedness. I had to think. Uh, just a couple examples, and I, I, I'm going to grab a few. I don't have time for every one of these, but uh, 
Jesus, in, in chapter 8 uh, of Matthew, there, this centurion had come to Jesus and, and had this servant that lay at home sick of the palsy, and he was grievously tormented, it says, and he, he came to Jesus and he presented this, and then Jesus said, well, I will come and heal him. Jesus said, I, I will come and do it. And the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Get that concept? Poor in spirit. I, I think that's an example of that. That, that. that came to my mind. I pondered that. And, I, and then I, there's another lady uh, that I have I've talked about many times, and I, I'm going to remember uh, that is the Syrophoenician woman in, in Matthew 15. When, when, Jesus, when she had asked Jesus to come and, and, uh, or to cast the demon out of her daughter, and, uh, and Jesus said, well, he can't take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs. What is she supposed to say? A lot of people that would have walked away very bitter, very hurt. But she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And I believe those are just, if you, want, if you want to get a concept of the poor in spirit, those are just a few little pictures. And there's many more, more scriptures we could have <clears throat> that we could refer to. But uh, I think those are, that isn't, those are just some simple uh, thoughts there. Um, yeah. So that's one of the characters that are blessed. That's, that's God, God, Jesus, Jesus said you're blessed if you're poor in spirit. The next verse he says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So we should all sit around and cry, and then when we are comforted, that's a blessing, isn't it? Is that what he's saying? <clears throat> Should we mourn because we didn't make as much money last week as we thought we, well, we wanted to? Or because we mourn because, yeah, well, there's a lot of things to mourn about that are very selfish and that are very, really not important at all. So mourning in itself is not necessarily a guarantee of a blessing. <clears throat> and I don't know, man, I don't want to overdo that, but uh, uh, yeah, Adam Clark has another quote on that one. I think that's the only one that I have, uh, but those two are, I found interesting. He says this, That is, blessed are they that mourn, that is those who, feeling their spiritual poverty, mourn after God lamenting the iniquity that separated them from the fountain of blessedness. So, that puts an effort concept, that puts a thought in here that, when we, that the mourning is because, you know, we recognize, we accept that iniquity, sin in our lives, things that are wrong, are going to separate us from God. And it's those things, and they're going to separate us from his blessings. So if there's sin in our lives, we need to repent. So I, th- I, think, I think our, our uh, 
we need to get the concept of this morning as one of repentance. That we were repenting. The concept of repentance. Mourning for our sin. Repenting. That concept. <clears throat> repentance. What, what I think last time I preached on this, uh, on the, when preparing for this message and how Jesus went through those uh, uh, temptations and then, you know, he went from there and he went out and his message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then here Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you that mourn. Do we see that connection? That's the type of mourning that receives blessing. Repentance. Recognizing our sinfulness. And, and recognizing that yeah, we need to mourn in that way. We think that happiness or blessing brings us joy. Blessing brings us happiness. And then Jesus said, if we mourn, we are blessed. And, we, and that we, we tend to think that that's opposites, but it's not. Not in this light. We are blessed. It brings us peace. It brings us rest when we come into repentance, when we come to mourning for our sins and recognizing that this thing, this, of all the evil that is in the world, and, and we, we mourn because of that. There's, there's areas in that field we can go to. Isaiah 61, verse 3 says, and here's you again, this is the work of what Jesus is coming to do, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. <clears throat> so the blessing rests on those who are poor in spirit and those who mourn. The next one, he says, blessed are the meek. Some reason I think of Moses. And it's because in Numbers 12, 3, it says, it describes him that way. It says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men were which upon the face of the earth. We want to receive a blessing from God. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek. So, what is meekness? How do we describe it? How is it different than humility? I don't know that it's a lot different. I think it, those are very similar. They're fits, but there's some, you know, some basic differences maybe. Just a few thoughts on that. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. The Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, he says that he is meek. So if you want an example of meekness, look at Jesus' life. Look at how he related to things. He said he is meek. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Peter said about Christ, in 1 Peter 2, he says, when, when, who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. And I think that's a description of Jesus. And, it's, it, and Jesus is saying that he's meek, and I think we can put those, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? We get that? So, meekness. Jesus was meek. This is how he was. So that's, that's an example. That's a concept there that we can find. 
found this very interesting, those of us who like to study words and their origins and where they come from. Said the, the word meek comes from the old Anglo-Saxon, meka or M-E-C-A or M-E-C-C-E-A, a companion, which means a companion or equal. Because he who is of a meek or a gentle spirit, a meek or gentle spirit, we could, well, those are, I think those are synonyms, synonymous there. Okay. He, he who is of a meek or gentle spirit is ever ready to associate with the meanest. And that doesn't mean the one that does bad things. That means the lowest of those who fear God. A meek and gentle spirit is ever ready to associate with the meanest of those who fear God, feeling himself superior to none and well knowing that he has nothing of spiritual or temporal good but what he has received from the mere bounty of God, having never deserved any favor from his hand. Meekness, a true character that will be blessed. You want blessings of God? These are, these are important characters. We know. We are, we are willing to, a, a meek and a gentle spirit is always ready to associate with those, the lowest, the, those who fear God. Now, it's not the, not, not the low morals, not the low... Not those that are out, you know, living in a low life, what we call the low life. That's not what we're talking about here at all. We're talking about those, just the humble, the quiet, those who truly fear God. We don't have to be with those up there and important people. We just simply, the lowest, I like the word, we use the meanest, but that, again, because of, we don't use the word that way very often today. We would say the lowest of those who fear God, feeling himself superior to none, and well knowing that everything we have, it's not that we don't deserve this. We're just this is just a blessing. We, we we've everything we have, we've never deserved any favor from his hand. That brings meekness into our spirit. A gentle, a quiet, gentle spirit. I think that's a good good uh Description of meekness. The next one says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I would like to... um, I like that. I'm not focusing a lot on the concept of what you know are the blessing that they are seeing. He says here they shall be filled, but that word what's translated as filled. Uh, another con- term of that is it means saturated. That's very very full, not not just enough. It is saturated. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be saturated. Mm. I would like to take this concept of hungering and thirsting into a little bit heavier level than, than our concept of hunger. Um, I, I, I've often said this, that I, have, I really don't know what hunger is. I've, I'm 55 years old. And I get what I call hungry sometimes. 
And when I was a young teenager and when I was a young boy, I really got hungry sometimes. I know I've often said little boys stay hungry. They can eat and they're still hungry. They want something to eat. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. They're growing and and they want food. But... When, he, when Jesus said, blessed are they to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And, and, and let, let, let's, let's get into our minds a little bit. You know, we, maybe we say, well, that we, want, we, want, we want something to eat. So we, we, when, we, when we think of being hungry, we just think, well, you know, it's, it's about lunchtime and, or it's about supper time and, we're, and it's time to eat again. <clears throat> the, I believe... I wrote this down. I believe the significance here is hungering and thirsting after righteousness instead of carnal pleasure and the things of this world. Note the instead of. Another writer said it this way, those who have ceased to feed on carnal things that they might be fed and strengthened with holy things. And so I'd like to get, I don't know if I can say exactly what I want, want, want you to think about here when you think of, being, of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It's more than just wanting it. It is that we recognize we have to have it. And we don't want that anymore. It used to be those were the things that we went after and we desired the things of the world and the things that... That, that are wrong and the things that take us away from God and now we, 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 we need this. We have to have this. We, there are no other options. If we want to have the godly character, we, that, that's the concept we have to have about the things that are right and good and the things that are righteous. This is all that, that we, this is what we need that does not work. That does not satisfy. That is not what we want. We want this. We want righteousness. And things that are of God. Think of Bartimaeus. What about him? This is the picture I get in my mind. Here's a, here's a blind man sitting beside the road and he hears all this commotion. And he hears all these sounds. He says, what is going on? I can't see. Oh, Jesus is coming. And a light goes on in that man's mind. He, he can't see, but whoa. He starts calling out, Jesus, the son of David. Oh, shut up, shut up. You're creating a crowd. Did he shut up? No. He kept shouting even louder, I believe. There was no question in his mind what he wanted right then. It didn't really matter what the people thought of him. It didn't matter what, what kind of a commotion he created. He wanted to see Jesus because he knew that was the answer to his, pro- to his problem. He knew Jesus could give him life. He'd let him see. What do you want? That I could see. You know, let's, let's get that concept of this hungry and thirsting. After righteousness. That it, it, nothing's going to stop us. This is what we're going to go after. We're going to do this. Mm. That, that's, that's the picture. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Zacchaeus is another example. 
Here's this crowd of people. He's a little short guy in the crowd. He can't see, he can't see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus, so he runs ahead. He climbs up in a tree so he can see him. He does something about it. If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we are going to pursue it. They shall be filled. They will be saturated. All right, the next one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Okay, again, a quote here that I read somewhere. It says, a merciful man enters into the miseries of his neighbor, and he feels for and mourns with him. You get that? He doesn't just see it and think, boy, that poor guy. Pity him. And he goes on about his way. He goes on, does his own things, and he forgets all about it. Blessed are the merciful, those that it actually does something about in their hearts. He enters into the miseries of his neighbor, and he feels for and he mourns with him. There are hurting people all around us. There are hurting people amongst us. There are hurting people, and, and, and there's, there's, yeah. Okay, going back to our word studies, the word mercy. The, 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 the word mercy comes from two words, and, it, the, the, it's, uh, and it's pitying and heart. I think it was Latin, I don't remember, and I didn't write that down. So it's, it's the heart of pitying or caring. The word mercy is the heart of caring, the heart of pitying. It, it's more than just the mind. It's the heart of it. That's what mercy is. An emotion, and here's another description. An emotion of the heart that is excited. Get that? An emotion of the heart. Our heart has an emotion here. It says, so the emotion of the heart that is excited by the discovery of any creature's misery. That's mercy. I love that thought. It doesn't mean that it's happy about it. It means that it's sad about it. But it, it stirs it up. When uh, uh, Blessed are the merciful. Those who are merciful... They are, their, their heart is excited. It, it, it gets all stirred up by the discovery of any creature's misery. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It comes back. <clears throat> Again, we can spend a lot of time with that. I'm going to have to move on. The next one says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <clears throat> the pure in heart. And I don't know, again, what do you think of? You know, Jesus here was teaching to a culture of people that really focused on outward performance. The pure in heart. Think of this people. These were the Jews. Their concept of purity. What was it? Okay, in their mind, once a year, the high priest, and only the high priest was allowed to do this, 
or the or the, the I guess it was the priest. They did take turns, I think, doing that. Different years there was, but there was a there was an order of priests. But it was just there was a specific person that was called to do this, uh, to go into the holy of holies once a year. And he had a whole ritual, a whole list of things that he had to do to purify himself, washings and certain clothes and certain things. And, and he had to go with blood, only with blood, it says in Hebrews, I think. There was some very, very specific things to be qualified to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. That was into, supposedly into the presence of God. Now understand, uh, I don't, the Bible doesn't say this, but history tells us that when he went in there, they tied a rope to him. Because just in case he would die in there, if he was not, everything wasn't perfectly done right, God would strike him dead. Nobody else could go in there and get him out. So they would tie a rope to him just in case he would die and they would pull him back out. So this was the picture of these people's mind that Jesus was talking to. And when he, when he was telling them, blessed are the pure in heart. And he's telling them that this is, this is a possible thing. This is something that you can have. You can have a pure heart and to, have a, to, to receive a blessing from God, you can have this pure heart. And again, like I said, their concept of purity, what, what was it? What is yours? <clears throat> Forgiven, the grace of God. Think of Moses. He, would, he asked to see God. God. God told him, you know, it's... There was certain things that he, God did get, allow him to see his backside. Think of Job and how God related to Job and the perfect man, Elijah. Those are just a few biblical examples when I think of a, of a pure heart. God wants us to be completely pure this morning. He has, he has provided that for us through the blood of Christ. It is possible for us. We can claim that. Mm. Are we hungry and thirsting after that? How important is it to us? Are we making room for all kinds of things in our lives? Think about those things. We've got to move on. The next one says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. <clears throat> Peacemaker. God is a God of peace. He wants one to reconcile. God wants to reconcile. Think of Matthew 18. Jesus gives some instructions, and we're, uh, that's later on in his teachings. We're not going to go there. In Matthew 5, verse 23, Jesus said this. And this is just later in this whole same chapter when he, Jesus said that blessed are the peacemakers. He says, and Jesus went, uh, I'm in the wrong chapter there. Chapter 2, verse 20. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. See the importance that Jesus put on the, the concept of peace. It's pursuing peace. You know, if you, even if you come to pray, and you give, in this case it was their sacrifice, they brought their sacrifice to the temple to offer it. And when they got there and they thought about, oh, you know, my, that guy back there, has, there's an issue between us. Lay your, lay your gift down. Go back. Clear things up, make things right with your brother, then come back and offer your peace to God, your, your gift to God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers. <clears throat> the message is fairly clear here that God, our relationship with God is very closely connected with our relationship with each other. God wants us to resolve issues. God wants us to bring, bring, be reconciling and bringing things together. That's the whole concept of Jesus Christ was to reconcile the relationship between God and man that was broken there in the Garden of Eden because of sin. That, that's the constant, that's always the, the battle is that sin separates from God and God is trying to bring these things back together. Bless, that's why peacemaking is such an essential part of the kingdom of God and why it's so important to God. Peacemaking. <clears throat> I, don't, we, I don't put enough emphasis on that. An area we need to work on. My own heart. <clears throat> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. <clears throat> Not just in the passive. This thing of having peace with God and having peace with our fellow man. Uh, we, we talk about it at communion time. This is not just a passive thing that, well, you know, it's a good thing. No, this is something that we should be, that we, that's an, we, should, this is, we should be very aggressive with this. This is something we should be pursuing with all our, yes, it's, it's the kingdom of God. Peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Verse 8 says, uh, oh no, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 11 goes right with that and says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So here Jesus is, is putting this thing of blessings and in this whole list of things that, ble- that, that we are blessed for. And if we want to be blessed, this is, this is the, and it's the concept of persecution. Jesus said we, we can expect those things. But he says it's for righteousness' sake. This is some of the things we often tend to fear. We just think that somebody's being mean to us. No. And he says in verse 11, if it's when they do all these things, they revile you, they persecute you, they say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Because of Jesus. Because of what we are doing for the kingdom of God. That's the only time that we've received these blessings. This persecution, this reviling, when this, this, these things that are done against us, this is a result when we are so dedicated to God and that our lives, and, and it convicts other people. And, it, and, it's, and it's showing them they're wrong. And, and they don't like what they're seeing. And they, don't, they, they, it, they see our peace. They see our rest. They see our love for each other. They see those, and, and, and they don't have that. And so they tend to do bad things. They tend to, to, to be negative. <clears throat> Think about that. It takes a lot of faith to be able to take accusations and persecutions against a cause or a position that you believe in. If you're, if you're really convinced about something, it doesn't matter what other people think. If you really believe this is right. But that takes a lot of faith. If, if, I, don't, if I don't have any confidence in my position and you start being negative about it, I get all, I don't know what to do with that. But if I know where I'm at, I believe this is right. I trust, I know this is what God has said 
And, and, and if you disagree with me, that's okay. I can take that. Yeah, I might not like it the way you think, but I can take it because I believe this is right. When we have true faith in our positions and, and what we believe, we're going to face those persecutions, and, and God's going to bless us with those. He, he brings us rest. He brings us confidence. We can keep on. <clears throat> those are going to happen. You want to be blessed. Follow after righteousness. Do what's right. Believe in what you're doing. Two more. I'm not going to spend much time with them. A lot of times we, we end that with the, the Beatitudes there in verse 9 and 10. And, and that's what he followed it. But then he, he goes from there and he says two more things. And we're looking, what we're looking at this morning is character. It's time to close here. Passed already. There's, we're looking for characters. This is what we need in our lives. And he said this is what Jesus said in verse 13, he says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salt? It is then forth cost. Good for nothing but it to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. <clears throat> Ye are the salt of the earth. That's a character that has to be a part of our lives. That's a character, it's a godly character. Salt enhances flavor, salt preserves food. Ye are the salt of the earth. There's all that wickedness out there. There's all those things going on. We need to be kind of the character of God ruling in our hearts brings us we, where we are like the salt. We are enhancing the flavor. We're showing the good. We're, we're, we're an example of what's good and what's right. We're, we're, we're an example of, God, of godliness. We are the kind of people that, what did I say? That preserves food. We preserve righteousness. We see we enhance the flavor and we preserve he are the salt. That's, that's a character. Being a salt. It's part of a godly character. I believe it's an example. And the next one is this. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. <clears throat> godly character is a light. It's an example. It illuminates. There's so much darkness. There's so much confusion. Our lives should be some should be need to be loved. The character of God in our lives, when we have God's character, God, God ruling our hearts, we are we we we're going to be the kind of people that give light. We're going to be illuminating. We're going to give direction. We're going to we're, we're, that that's the character. That's what we when we look at. We give direction. Yes, this is there is something there. There's so much darkness. There's so much confusion. God's character. Directs our paths. <clears throat> I got to close. <clears throat> Do we get the picture there? We need to be building character, and we, you know, that's a t- term we use. But here's here's just some very basics. Blessed are this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. They which hunger and thirst after righteousness. The merciful. The pure in heart. The peacemakers. Those who are persecuted and reviled, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the characters, something you can put your finger on and say, hey, there's something I can do. There's something I can reach for. Godly character. Let's kneel for a word of prayer.